You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm your co-host, Brad Jackson. And, you know, this uh, episode will be coming out probably on our usual Tuesday, but we're recording on the 4th of July. So, happy birthday, America. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and so if you start uh, hearing explosions, we're not in Baghdad, it's just fireworks. Are, Air quotes, fireworks. Are we in a uh, undisclosed location <laughs> in Baghdad? Who really knows? Redacted. <laughs> Come to our freedom bunker. We got cigars and guns and whiskey. Three things that make America great. <laughs> Let's not forget the food. No, America doesn't have great food. We just steal food from other countries, like Mexican food, Italian food. Like, what is considered American food? <laughs> I would think, like, barbecue to a certain degree, but, you know, at the same time, like, oftentimes we put a Spanish or, you know, some other kind of twist to flavor it, you know, but, uh,. I mean, we got hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> I think those are German, actually. <laughs> nah, man. It, it, Frankfurters know, came from Frankfurt, Germany. Yeah. Okay, I didn't say we had Franks. <laughs> I said we got fucking hot dogs. All right. <laughs> these aren't these aren't your German German, you know, schnauzer, you know, fucking, you know, schnitzels and whatnot. This is uh, you know, just a little fucking wiener, you know, a little <laughs> little tiny ass, little bitch wiener. Those are Vienna sausages. Those for Italy. <laughs> So, America bridges the gap between Vienna sausage and, you know, like a brat. So, speaking of things that uh, don't sound American, what are we smoking this week, Brad? So, this week, we have the Alec and Bradley Kintsugi. Kintsugi? I don't know, actually, like, yeah, I, th- I think you got it right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how well my Japanese is. That was like pretty good. Pretty good on the first try. Apparently, track. for people that aren't in the know like we are, you know, we're we're a very educated and you know um, bunch. But uh, apparently, this is the stuff they use to repair pottery that acts like that gold, you know, foil. Yeah, basically, type. it's it's a uh, a Japanese way of the basically they'll take broken pottery and repair it with gold before lacquering it. It's kind of like you know the emphasizing the beauty in the mistakes. Well, it's or the uh, malfunctions. What, I, you know. I'm sure a lot of people have seen you know epoxy is exploded and resin and everything else where you know people take two pieces of wood and you know well epoxy between you know the two pieces and then make it all decorative and fancy and like yeah you got thirty dollars invested trying to sell <laughs> something for like two thousand. But, uh, you know, we didn't mispronounce when we said Alec and Bradley. Uh, if you're familiar with Alec Bradley cigars, the uh, owner's two sons, Alec and Bradley, uh, have started blending cigars for the company and have created their own label, Alec and Bradley Cigars. I think they've got three uh, different blends out so far, and uh, the Kintsugi is uh, one of their, you know, first uh, blends. And it's, I mean, are some awesome artwork i mean it like i said we, we're we've I just mean, fired this up so i can't uh say how well the cigar is going to go from here but 
out of all of the, the banding Alec, and the boxing looks pretty fucking cool. Out of all the Alec Bradley, you know, lineup stuff, like this really stands out. Well, I mean, which I mean, the label takes up three quarters of the cigar, <laughs> so I mean, it's going to be hard to miss. But um, you know, it's all about marketing, I suppose. And we are smoking the Toro, which is a six by fifty-two, and it uh, incorporates Honduran Habano wrapper from the Trejoles region. If I'm probably not pronouncing that way. And Nicaraguan and Honduran tobacco for the dual binder and fillers. Yeah. So, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, this isn't bad. You know, Alec Bradley has been one of those brands for me that is hit or miss. And it's kind of funny because people ask me, like, hey, what's one cigar that really stands out? And I'm like, I mean, the, the first cigar that really bridged the gap and, you know, sent me over the cliff was, you know... Alec Bradley Personado. Um, however, I've since smoked the Personado and did not have that same experience, you know? So, uh, I mean, so much of your environment and who you're with and everything else um, impacts, I guess. Uh, but that's just one of my fond cigar memories. And and according to other experts, it uh, has nutty and floral notes with ten- hints of... Anise, dried fruit, cinnamon, hazelnut, and I mean, you should definitely taste the nut leather. I mean, you are you are a nut expert. <laughs> I mean, can you? What kind of nut does this taste of? D's. Okay, <laughs> you heard it here on the Cigar Nerds. Is this is why we don't do official cigar write up? Which they say ha- hazelnut, which is more of a coca flavor. You know, so it's. it's like I said, I'm only a freaking half inch into this cigar, but I mean, I will say that this is a great retro hell cigar because I get those notes, but on the retro hell, it's almost like there's a touch of white pepper or something, you know, just a, a little spice on the the lips and nostrils. Um, which I'm a fan of pepper, so I, I'm I'm digging it. And this supposedly comes in at a, at about a medium. And I think that's why I'm, I've smoked a lot of the Alec Bradley stuff, but it's not one that I normally, none of them have really made it to my go-to list because I tend to smoke the heavier cigars and a lot of their stuff is in that medium to light range. But so far it's got some good flavor for, for a medium cigar. We'll see if there's any complexity and changing as it, as it goes through. And with that, um, uh, Nothing is you know more American than serial killers and serial killer movies. There seems we all seem to have an obsession with that type of stuff. So this is an episode Brad has been wanting to do for a long time, and we finally ran out enough stuff to talk about. Them like, all right, you can do your Saw episode. So we're going to be talking about freaking what nine? Dude, it's only because I like to play games, okay? <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the history of the Saw franchise. And if you find yourself trapped by a serial killer forced to play deadly games, you should call on the Strike Force. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use I, the promo code Cigar Nerds. I think realistically you probably want to call them in before you find yourself in the <laughs> trap. Because at that point, it's like the chances are they're going to screw up the game for you and cause you to die. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you'll be caffeinated. <laughs> Yeah, you, you do a couple strike forces, maybe when they stick that, you know, whatever sedative needle that they always, like, 
capture people with. You know, maybe maybe the caffeine can can you know fight it off, and you can escape before you end up you know with some kind of trap around your head. Yes. And to think, trap around the head is your least of the worries. Like that's quick. <laughs> like, uh, so we'll be right back. You don't know me, but I know you. I want to play a game. There is only one key to open the device. It's in the stomach of your dead cellmate. You better hurry up. Live or die. Make your choice. Would you like to play a game? Yeah, I want to play the Cigar Nerds, try to talk about Saul for an hour, and not pass out from heat exhaustion. <laughs> yes, the... Horror franchise Saw, which started in 2004. But can you really... I, I don't know. Like, does this really fit the horror genre? Well, you it know, is I horrific. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess from that degree, but I, I don't know. I, I I almost would classify it more of a uh, psychological thriller. You know, yes, there is some gore, maybe, you know, some horror elements, but, you know, as the series has progressed for the last, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, like, when did the first... I think the first film came out in 2004, right? Yeah, there was a, I guess, a short film kind of proof of concept in 2003, but the first theatrical movie, Saw 1, came out in 2004. You know, so, yeah. And I say... I've had 17 years of Saw films. <laughs> like, I am a cheesy horror fan. Like, we, I watch a lot of the slasher horror movies but I never really got into Saw because I thought it was just your like hostile torture porn. I think I maybe saw parts of the first one and some of the second one and I'd never watched any of these movies until you're like let's do a Saw episode and I went through and like powered through them through them all but after I actually sat down and watched them I'm like oh this isn't really what I would call torture porn like the traps and shit look horrific and they have horrific results, but most of them are like fairly quick deaths. It's not like long drawn out. Like, you know, the torture is more psychological than like, you know, somebody getting a drill to their head for like 30 minutes. Like they do in like some of these more torture porn movies. Yeah. I mean, that was (laughs) the thing for me is, you know, I was like, look, you know, I, I know you've kind of been opposed, but, Give it a chance because I think you're going to walk away with a different perspective than what you're going into it as, you know, because it is very much advertised as, you know, kind of that torturous thing because it's like, you know, the the very first film, all you see is, you know, the, you know, oh, dude's got a saw and a foot. Hmm. <laughs> that can only end in one of two ways. <laughs> yeah, and the, uh, I can't remember if it's the first segment where the guy has like, there's a key inside your eye. Will you, you know, sacrifice your eye to escape before this thing closes and squishes your head? And it's like, yeah, from the trailers, it looked very much like, oh, this is just 
they very much highlighted the machine, the mechanisms of death without showing the deaths. And it gave you the feeling that, Oh, this is just another torture porn movie. But once you got into it, like the psychology and the, I mean, even the engineering of the, it was very, you know, almost intellectual for a horror movie. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the thing is like, I almost compare saw almost with like a, you know, Hannibal Lecter, you know, where, you know, once you understand the premise of where John Kramer's coming from, it's like, all right, maybe the dude's off his rocker, but, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he isn't, you know, it's not like, hey, I've captured you and you're in a trap and there's no way out. You know, yeah. John Kramer's philosophy was, I want you to atone for your mistakes. I mean, I think his biggest problem is just his God complex, you know, like where I can, you know, be the creator. I can, you know, change your life. I can be, you know, your salvation. And it's like, hey, you're going to leave people with some, you know, really fucked up PTSD at best. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, granted, we don't do much better in normal society, just locking people away in cages or in isolation. Granted, you know, like... I mean, most time prison is where criminals go to learn to be better criminals. (laughs) Well, I mean, where else are you going to be like... You come out with a PhD in crime, yeah? It's like, all right, dude, so where did your plan go wrong? Well, shit, this is where mine went wrong. Okay, we know not to make these mistakes again. (laughs) Or you got someone who's a minor criminal who's like, you know, like some minor pot possession guy, you know, dealer. And he goes in and he comes out like now he's like a hardened gang member criminal. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's like, shit, dude, I'm not a fighter. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm not an alpha. So yeah. What, what do you do for protection? Hey man, I got a certain set of skills or a certain knowledge. Like, you know, keep me, you know, protected. And, uh, you know, I'll essentially do your bidding. Whatever that may be. Oh. Uh, yeah, like Wikipedia calls this a splatter film franchise. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think there's going to be some arterial splatter. Uh... <laughs> yeah, there there is a lot of arterial splatter in these movies. That thing, too, is, you know, John Kramer, a.k.a. Jigsaw, and his little buddy Billy. Technically, they never actually killed anyone. It's a He's a serial killer. Who never kills. He just like, here's the trap, and I'm going to tell you how to get out of the trap. It's up to you to like, if you're willing to make the sacrifice. It's like, he's basically trying to get people to make a sacrifice to become a better person. And that, you know, that's his whole thing. He even like, you know, yells at one of his, uh, you know, uh, protégés. We'll say apprentice. Yeah. It's like, no, like, I hate killers. He's like, he's like, that's the most, a killer is the most disgusting thing. He's like, he's like, I give people a chance. You know, the traps have to have people the option to survive or they don't learn anything. And and that's the thing is he's like, you know, it can never be personal. And that's the thing that all of his apprentices pretty much fail is they all make it personal. If it's not a way to avenge Somebody that's wronged them directly, it's, well, Kramer's got more than one apprentice, and I need to up, you know, one-up this other person. I want to be the favorite. Exactly. Like, 
Speaking of apprentice, I got to say, uh, his first apprentice, uh, Amanda, played by uh, Shawnee Smith. I used to think she was like hot as shit, but now I'm kind of scared of her. <laughs> after like you see her in other things, and I was like, "Damn, she's hot." But then, like after I saw watch all the, ch- I'm like, "I'm kind of scared of her now." Yeah, <laughs> she plays a good uh, serial, serial killer apprentice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, in a way, I guess. You know, can we say John Kramer is non-discriminatory? Yeah, I mean, pretty much it's like everyone who ends up in his games, at least in the first several movies, are either someone who has done something kind of bad or wasted their life in some way. I mean, I think and really... Then you, the... And then a lot of them is people that have, like, had direct contact with John through his... You know, spoiler alert, if you haven't, like, heard of... You know, basically Jigsaw is a whatever genius engineer architect who ends up getting brain cancer and is dying. So he's like, people have lost the, uh, aren't appreciative of life. So I'm going to put them in situations to, if they survive, they will basically be reborn and appreciative of life. And I, I, you know, I think, or at least that's the first movie's concept. It kind of, well, I mean, you learn, you know, you start getting more and more of his backstory as it goes along, you know? So, you know, John's wife in her career plays a little bit more into that. I think, you know, because basically she works for a rehabilitation facility and, you know, late one night, a junkie comes busting in, slamming a door open, basically, uh, you know, causing her to miscarry. You know, and, you know, John has always kind of been, you know, what you're doing, you know, really isn't going to make a major difference. You know, things have to be life or death to be put in, I guess, a, you know, enough of a perspective to make people appreciate yeah, the before, here and now. Before he, you know, he gets his kind of affliction and stuff, it's like, he's very much like, while what you're doing is noble, it's doesn't really have a way to fix these people. They're, you know, you know, they got to want to be fixed. And, you know, once, you know, he, which I don't think you find this out until, was it the second or third movie that he had a wife or hell, it might be in the force, but he had a wife, they were going to have a kid. And on top of the whole, him getting cancer, you know, one of her junkies ends up, you know, killing the kid. So it's like, he literally has nothing left to lose. And he kind of, develops a for her almost a here's a foolproof rehab method and presents Amanda because she was a junkie uh, that he put in probably one of the most famous traps you've seen in all the trailers where it's like this reverse bear trap that goes in the mouth and will just rip your head open if you if you're unable to unlock it and he's she's like he's like here look yo I've cured her because she survived my traps and she becomes, well, you think first apprentice, but actually she's like the third apprentice by the time you get into it, I think. (laughs) Seven movies later. (laughs) Yeah, it's... (laughs) But But, I mean, I think that's one of the things that was really great about the, the franchise is, you know, like, you can absolutely sit down and just watch the films, you know, for the traps, for the effects with the exception of Saw 3D, you know, don't, 
that was a bad time in filmmaking <laughs> history. Like, just not not everything needs to be in 3D. Yeah, that was that was before the uh, like the really good 3D we have now. <laughs> um, and watching it in non 3D now, it's just like, yeah, the CGI is uh, that made things 3D is just not hold up in 2D. <laughs> These years later, but yeah, it was like the and that from if you look at people who have brain tumors brain tumors can change your personality uh you know you depend on where the growth is and and whatnot so it's like on top of his whatever ptsd from from losing a child he's also got this brain tumor that almost creates a sociopath well i'm not sure if he it's not that he doesn't know right from wrong but you see him kind of when you see him like before he becomes Jigsaw and some of the flashbacks where he seems like normal regular dude, and then John Kramer Jigsaw is almost emotionless. I mean, it's like which could be just you know part of his process, but and well, it also I mean, could be the part of the. I don't think that you can go into everything is very. I, he I, treats people like he treats his traps. Everything is very mechanical in his like thinking. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's the thing is, you know, I mean, that's why I kind of brought up the God complex, you know, because, you know, humans, we're not, yes, we are complex, but at the same time, we're very carnal in our nature. And, you know, like, free will is really what separates, you know, our carnal nature from, you know, most animals. And, you know, I... His ability to prey on people and their free will and, you know, trying to get them to change their nature. Like, I don't know. You know, I at certain times it's like I can almost see things from that perspective. Like, how fucked up does that make me? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was one thing. These things are so well shot out and and written because up until maybe Jigsaw which was the 2007 like the first seven movies are all interconnected like pre-Marvel I mean it's like in, like especially I think it's like what is it three and four literally take place at the same time and the beginning of four is actually the end of three so you don't realize that our that the things that happen after that beginning is actually happening simultaneously with the things that are happening in Saw 3. But it's like everything blends together and you keep getting more and more of of uh, John's backstory as it goes and seeing... And like little things that you see in other movies that are like, like a throwaway thing. Like you see, I think in Saw uh, 3, uh, Amanda reading a, reading a note and then you don't find out what's in that note until like the next movie or two movies later. It's like, they keep going back and like, Oh, this little thing that you thought was nothing. It's very important to the story. It's <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost it's, like they wrote all these at once and it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. It definitely has some plot holes, but at the same time, oh. like for there to be so many, you know, different arcs, you know, like, John Kramer almost is not 
the main character in these stories. No. You know, like, and the traps are, they're there, but they're not an emphasis into what is happening in the world of Saul. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, and, and that's, you know, kind of the, the takeaway. I'm like, dude, if you sit down and watch this, like, you'll find out, like, there's a lot more intricacies here at work. Yeah, everything's uh, so interconnected that, like I said, it, it feels like almost like they wrote all these movies at the same time and, and like was, it was working off one really long fucking script because it's so well blended from movie to movie where a lot of like especially horror sequels where it's you know you're 10 movies in you got jason x in space i mean it's <laughs> that's all right dude we're, we're gonna have traps in nasa because it takes some major engineering feats to get you know out outside of the uh earth's orbit and stuff so i mean yeah but the way that like i said the way that everything's so interconnected and like future movies refer back to like plot hole you know, spots in other movies. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's almost like, oh, shit, we didn't do a good job explaining that. All right, in the next film, we're going to do a flashback, and... <laughs> we're going to show what was in Amanda's n- note, and... But, and, and closing that hole, a whole, you know, separate hole is going to open. <laughs> shit, we need another movie! Here's this this other apprentice that was actually his apprentice before her, and, you know, he sabotaged the game for her. <laughs> So that's going to piss off John, and now he's going to end up... And this guy just, you know, wants, you know, to get revenge. So, you know, he tries to make John think he's reformed and everything, when really he's just out for his own personal vendettas. (laughs) Yeah, because, like... And the... um, The interesting psychology of things, too, where you're watching a game, because usually there's there's kind of like one-off side story stuff. And then there's always like some kind of game with either people or a person that's playing out while all these other subplots are going on around them. And then halftime you find out the game is not the game. Like something else is the, the actual game where you well, think I mean, there's is... a lot of, I, I don't know. And in a way, like it's almost like there's, there's a group of, magicians at work and everything is just sleight of hand and misdirection because yeah. I, I think it's i think it's the third one where you know john is like kind of at his on his deathbed and they kidnap a doctor and uh, you know rigs her up with this cool kind of like shotgun necklace thing and it's like all right he, you're linked to, to his heart monitor and i want you to keep him alive until he can finish his final game here but if he dies you die and then the whole time you're like watching the game, the person who is having to go through all these things because he's like traumatized because he lost a child and has given up on living and not taking care of the child he still has, you know, he's trying to make him like want to live again. But the whole time it's not really his game. The whole game is John thinks Amanda is like, she's not letting people, she, her games are killing people. They're not, there's no way out. She's, she's kind of well, not and, reformed where she's kind of time, kind of become like, like addicted to the killing at this point. Well, and I think for her, Amanda's arc too is, you know, the, the, the power struggle, you know, like she wants to be the sole, you know, person to carry on. And, you know, like, you know, the entire time John's like, go fetch this doctor. And she's like, no, I'll take care of you. Like, no bitch, you're not a medical professional. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But yeah, it's like the whole time it ends up being like her game because he's like, you got to give people the option of living. You can't kill people just to kill them. That's not why we do this. We do this to actually help people in our own sick and twisted way. So it gets down where the guy they've been torturing through the whole thing, when he gets to the end, he walks in on them and he, and John keeps telling her like, leave her alone. Like her life is actually super important to you. You can't kill her. And she's like, uh, fuck this. And like kills her. And so turns out the guy they've been torturing this whole time is like actually her husband. So he ends up killing Amanda where if she had listened, that's the thing too. Like John says, there's always got to be a way out. He literally tells people, this is what's going to happen. And they don't listen to him and they get killed every fucking time. Well, that was my <laughs> he thing, tells her like, like several times, like she's very important to you. You got to let her live. And she doesn't. And you see what happened. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's the thing is he uses a lot of riddles, but at the same time, like he is very direct, you know, yeah. like all you have to, but all you have I to mean, do is dude, like, listen and follow the directions. <laughs> I mean, then again, like, I don't know how, you I know... I mean, sometimes the directions might cost you an arm, but... <laughs> well, I mean, like, I don't know how it would be coming, you know, awake from whatever sedative they use. You know, to me, the only thing I can think of would be, like, anesthesia. You wake up, you're groggy, you're not really, you know, fully there, you know, because you still got a head full of haze, like... Yeah. So, if there's a tape or something playing, like, are you really at your, you know, prime mental capacity to focus on, you know, that, and then I guess just the shock or the trauma of, oh, fuck, I'm, you know, I yeah, can't move, or I'm in some, you know, fucking foreign place, and there's all this shit going on around me, like... Because even, like, uh... Like, that can one you control with... the, you know, fight or flight, you know, <laughs> uh, instinct enough to slow down and process without going through some type of fucking training to kind of prepare your mind and body for that. Because even that one where he was like, you know, he even told the guy who ends up killing Amanda that, like, you've got to, the whole point of this is you got to learn to forgive. And once he gets there and sees his wife get shot and kills Amanda, he's like, hi, I'm Jigsaw. I did all this to you. Can you forgive me? He's like, oh, yeah, I can forgive you. And then slits his throat, which ends up killing his wife. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> And it's like, if you just listen to, and like the one, uh, well, I, guess I, the, like the I think one... it's the one after this, maybe, where it's one of the cops that have been pursuing him since the first one, who uh, are, or might have been like the one after it or whatever, but it was the uh, the black SWAT officer, and he's he's like, you know, you can't save everyone. You've got to learn to let go. And he said, and if you give me two hours... And follow the lessons I'm going to teach you. Everyone will be okay. But you can't save everybody. And sure enough, if he had just waited the two hours, all he had the, to do the, was sit there. The and trap have a would have disarmed itself. But he he walked through and ended up getting his old partner and everyone and even himself killed. If if he had waited another ten seconds, like John told, or like yeah, the saw two, where uh, where they actually capture him and he's got this these people in a trap house. Uh, including the the officer's son, and he's like, "If you sit here and talk to me for an hour and hear my story, everyone will be safe." But he doesn't. He like beats the shit out of John, makes him you know tell him where the house is, and he gets there, and it's the basement bathroom trap from the first movie, 
And, you know, of course he gets captured and locked in. But like once the clock ticks down, they find out the whole like video, they, the live stream they've been watching from this trap house is actually previously recorded. And if they had waited till the t- timer had, had clicked off, a safe would open up and his son was there safe the whole time. If like I said, if you just <laughs> follow the rules and listen, it all I works mean, out well, but no one ever does. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I think there's such a high level of stress and you know, like, and how can you trust someone who's put you in a fucking trap? You're just like, he says he's going to let me go if I do this thing, but that also has to be a trap. <laughs> like, I, I I, don't know, you know? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, this really makes me think, you know, like, interrogations and shit like that. Like, you know, how much, like, psychological shit goes on that, you know, despite physical torture, that sort of thing, like, man, you can, like, really defeat somebody mentally and truly break their will. And And even you get a little bit of that with, uh, and I like how these, you're so keyed in on all this, like you say, like a magician's tricks, keyed in on what's going on. Every movie, kind of like at the end, has that, like, reveal or where it kind of goes back and shows you what's actually going on <laughs> kind of reminds me like, like an ocean's 11 or something where like, you know, wait a minute, all this shit I've been watching is bullshit. And this is what's like how they kind of show like how the trick is made at the end of like how all the pieces were fit together to cause this, this final outcome. And it's always like, Oh shit. <laughs> it's like, this is not where I thought this was, was going. But yeah, that whole little kind of like recap at the end of most of these movies where it kind of goes through and be like, Oh shit! That's what was <laughs> happening this whole time. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, that was one of the things that kind of like my thing is, you know, Jigsaw always takes. We assume it was Jigsaw. We learn later on it may not have been Jigsaw, but you know how there's always the Jigsaw piece taken out of a person's skin. Yeah. What do all of those pieces connect and make at the end of this? Yeah, that's one thing we have not seen. If he's actually making a some kind of puzzle. Like, I mean, I I feel like that there's got to be something that just creates this big, you know, like, <laughs> fucking puzzle. And all the pieces, you know, have a, a certain place. And once they come together, a picture's revealed, and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the next one. <laughs> yeah. uh, Turns out it's just a fucking, you know, dead skin mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Deadpool painting. <laughs> unicorn oh <laughs> uh, and then you have his other apprentice which turns out to be uh uh one of the detectives that have been hunting him from the beginning who basically uh, whatever uh mark hoffman who basically was his wife i think had gotten killed so he got the guy that had killed her and executed him in a fake jigsaw trap and and tried to like you know cover it up Jigsaw and then Jigsaw found him like, oh, so uh, you want to <laughs> you want to do what I do, homie? And then let, let, let's let's you know see if you can do it right. <laughs> well, I mean that's the thing too. Like, one, where did you get all these fucking properties? Like, two, well, I think they explain like he was actually like an architect and shit, and was like building buildings and factories and shit. So he's got like 
access to all these... Yeah, but unless those places sell or whatever, you didn't make any money on that shit. <laughs> like... Or these, like, once Hoffman takes over, uh, and he's, like, basically Jigsaw from three to seven, or so we think. But yeah, he's, like, you know, finding, like, abandoning, abandoned zoos and abandoned, like, <laughs> like, all these, like, you know, uh, what I... I don't know. Do they ever say what city this is? Because there's a lot of. Is this Detroit? Because there's a lot of abandoned properties to turn into like serial killer uh, warehouses. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if it ever specifies. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I can't think of like seeing if it was ever on like the police badges or what or whatever. So people speculate that based on license plates, they're thinking New Jersey, but it doesn't ever actually say. Okay, I was going to say I don't know if they use some kind of fictional town, but I was like, but I guess you know there was at one point there's a visible license plate, so people you know, oh, it must take place in New Jersey. I think that whatever spiral the last one. I think that's New York, or at least from the police badges I saw in the. (laughs) But yeah, the. There's a lot of abandoned properties wherever this <laughs> these things take place. But yeah, freaking Hoffman, his run of as Jigsaw was yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the was... thing. Like, Hoffman starts out, and you're like, yeah, go get the fucker. And then it's like, oh. You, you are the fucker. You are the fucker. <laughs> oh, you're just part of a fucker. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, I mean, his... I mean, he's basically the Punisher of the Saw series. Yeah, because he's, he's got the, uh, I guess, the mechanics down. And I like some of the flashbacks where it shows him, like, putting together stuff for, you know, once John got too sick to do it on his own. And he's, like, criticizing his engineering. He's like, no, no, you got to put a smaller gear in here. And it's like, <laughs> it's like you're, you're not, you're not uh, uh, good enough a mechanic to be a, to be a jigsaw. But it's like the elaborate plots of how he kept almost getting caught. And then he would like, he framed that FBI agent. And even that was like, you know, he's like, you know, you have to trust. If you trust me, you will live. And he's like, get in this, uh, freaking glass, uh, coffin and, and you will survive this. And if you don't, no one will ever hear from him again. But he's like, fuck you, I ain't doing that. And throws him in the coffin. And then sure enough, like the whole room collapses and squishes him. And he's like, if you'd have gotten the coffin, like I told that you to. That was some straight up Indiana Jones shit, too. <laughs> but I like when he has that, you know, moment where the girl is, where he has two, there's like a insurance company who's basically f- digging hard to, f- to basically find ways to violate people's insurance so they can get out and not have to pay. And they end up capturing basically the guy who runs the company and all his little minions and putting them through this elaborate thing where he's, he's like, you literally choose who lives and dies, which he apparently, as you find out was John's insurance broker at one point. So they're making him like, you know, basically choose who lives and dies and stuff. But it starts off with like two people in a, opposing cells and it's like you know you've got to extract your pound of flesh the first one to give me a pound of flesh you know goes free and the other will die and this lady like chops her arm off because she's like fuck you you're not i'm not sacrificing myself for you but then he goes to see her in the hospital and he's trying to do that john thing of like 
well, you know, aren't you, you know, glad you survived? Did you learn anything from this? And she's like, motherfucker, I got no arm. What the fuck am I supposed to learn from this? And he's like, uh, the people were supposed to be healed when they come out of these traps. I don't know what I, <laughs> it's like, he just doesn't have, I guess, John's like psychology to, yeah. to properly <laughs> do this. But I mean, then again, like, I mean, you know, you come out disfigured or permanently scarred or just, you know, the fucking, like, I, I couldn't imagine the mental toll that it takes on a person that does oh, yeah. survive. Like, there is no normalcy after that. Because the few like, people that, I guess, survived and flourished all became, like, apprentices. Like, everyone else is just fucked up. <laughs> he never... Which was what was kind of cool in which... What was it? Was it six or seven where there's a guy who's profiting, claiming he is a jigsaw survivor and writes this book about overcoming adversity. And you finally see they have these, like, jigsaw, like, support groups of people that have survived his, his traps. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's something I've never thought of is, like, the people who did survive these things, like... Where are they like? Where are they at now? Because that's that's like kind of fucked up. And that one had one of probably the most horrific traps in it. The uh, the Brahma bull trap. Yeah, no, Saw 3D is the one where they uh, you know, it's got Bobby Dagan. That's the yeah. guy that's basically, you know, the fake survivor. So yeah, he gets captured by uh, by Hoffman and and put through a a test. And it's and you know, and all his like his lawyer and his publicist and all these people that are helping him with his lie or you know most of the most of them it's not him he's having to like get people out of traps. See and no, shit hear and, no, speak no evil. Like yeah. this is the one that really kind of pissed me off. Like all of these people are fucking idiots in this movie. <laughs> like literally, the one girl's trap was the only thing she had to do was not scream. And what the fuck does she do nonstop? fucking scream <laughs> like yeah because he has to pull a key out of her stomach that's got a fish hook on it so it it probably hurt like a motherfucker but you would have survived it if you just kept your mouth shut but then she ends up getting what was it like drills that like got closer every t- like they every time she spoke or made sound it would like the trap would get closer and closer and finally I mean, cause got... there's a decibel meter right yeah. so i mean yeah you know fucking do whatever you know but like just certain things. I, although I will say, like the what the, he should have done is just punched her in the face and knocked her the fuck out, and then took the thing out. Chances are, though, he would have punched her, and you know she would have fucking went, you know, head <laughs> into one thing. of the spikes. It's like I'm gonna get you out of this, but first I gotta, you know, apply some cartoon anesthesia <laughs> and just knock you the fuck out. Um, but I will say, like, the, the one trap was kind of interesting where, you know, it's just the random boards and, you know, you're on opposite ends of the room and basically you've and the one got dude's to like guide the person, you know. Blindfolded. And, and I don't understand, like, that was another one that, dude, you, you can see and you're not constrained. You make your way to the other side of the room, have dude just fucking stand there where he's safe. You can grab the key or whatever you need to, like... Well, like, he, he gets them close enough, and there's, like, a big space... Where, and decides to fucking throw the thing. <laughs> like, throw a key to a blindfolded man who ends up, like, getting hung. Oh. But the the end where, he, like, the final test is his girlfriend is, like, our wife is, is chained up in this thing. 
and uh, she's been watching him go through all this, all this, and he gets there, and the the trap he he described in the book was he had like hooks through his pectorials and had to pull himself up with like basically like a chain lift. And I thought that was cool because John was like, "Hey, I know you described this in your book. In reality." I think this test is going to be a lot harder than you ever imagined. Yeah, you know, so he like, actually has to do it. And he gets almost to the key and rips his freaking, the hooks like rip out of his chest. But if you ever do a little research on like medieval torture, look up the Brahma bull. Because basically they put someone inside this like cast iron bowl and build a fire underneath it. So you just you cook. basically ba- bake to death and your scream sounds like the bull like snorting or whatever. And so, yeah, when he fails to get the key and the timer runs out, like, she gets encased in this basically modern version of the Brahma Bull and, like, baked to death. And, like, oh, that one was pretty horrific. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, that's a bad way to go. (laughs) Like, you talk about him being fast, that was not a fast death. Like, (laughs) but the thing I did like in Saw 3D, because you keep, like, all these whatever four or five movies where uh Hoffman has been the killer he he keeps getting so close to getting caught and 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 manages to to get out of it until the final one where he's like they know it's him and they're after him but he's also still running a game while he's uh he's trying and, and he's like the true survivor cuz like cuz as his punishment you find out that uh he wrote a letter and told Amanda like I know you were there the night John's child died. So if you don't kill this doctor, you know, I will tell him this. So he basically sabotaged her game. So there was no way she was going to win. And as punishment, like kind of like John's, uh, will, he gives his wife a, a new version of the, the head trap. And she ends up, uh, catching him, like watching the game and puts him in, in his own trap. But he's got enough, you know, wherewithal to like, get up and like stick his head in like the grates of the barred door. So when it pops, it catches and doesn't rip his head off. And I'm like, I'm motherfucker. Like you keep like, it's about every movie you think he's fucked. And somehow he pulls it all <laughs> out at the end until he's like, finally gets, gets fucked. But and was thing, the whole, all these things, but they kept showing flashbacks and explaining things that happened in the previous movies. You're always like, what the fuck happened to Gordon? Like Dr. Gordon from the first one, you know he cuts his leg off and like low crawls out of the room, and you keep seeing you've you've seen the body of the other guy that was in the room with him, but you've never seen other than his foot that's been rotting in this uh, cell forever. What happened? But then he shows up at the uh, at the uh, survivors meeting, and then at the end you find out he was his true like original apprentice. So well, all I these... mean that's the thing, like you know there there's been so many injuries that have been. Uh, inflicted and everything else like those are going to require somebody with medical experience yeah because to... john's an engineer not a doctor so you see all these things where like people's like like the one that was fucked up was the two guys where one of them had his eyes sewed shut and the other one had his mouth sewed shut and it was like if y'all could figure out some way to communicate you could get out of this trap but literally end up because each of them has like the key like around their neck but they can't one guy can't see it the other guy can't tell it so yeah, there's all, been all these traps where there's some kind of like medical expertise, like the key being inserted inside the guy's head or whatnot. Or I think uh, one of them, the guy had like a key like in his kidney or some shit. But it's like 
oh yeah, he needed a doctor to do all these things. And it's like, it's, you know, fucking Gordon's been sewing up people in the background, like all this time. He's like, you were my one actual true success. And he shows up at the end to get the final vengeance on, uh, on Hoffman with two other people that they never explain. Like who the fuck is, uh, Gordon's apprentices here. <laughs> Are these just random dudes he hired to kick this guy's ass or you never see. Cause like three people show up and capture Hoffman at the end. And then he takes off the mask and it's Gordon all along. But yeah, you never get any explanation of who those other two fuckers are. <laughs> Cause all his other known apprentices are dead at this point. Unless one of them was the guy from Jigsaw, because that was kind of a... Of the movies that weren't included in the Saw titles, that one was kind of weird. <laughs> kind of gave me a Dexter vibe, where it was the medical examiner all along. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's definitely, definitely Dexter. I now have a dog named Dexter. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's so many great twists and misdirections. And, you know, I, I mean, I gotta say, dude, over all the span, the different writing, the writers and everything else, like, it's kind of crazy that the series can progress in continuity, continuity for as long as it has. Yeah. You know, um... And Jigsaw, while the other, like, Saw through Saw 3D all felt connected, Jigsaw felt almost like a reboot, including the original characters. It, it just didn't have the feel or connection to the original. And even though it's weird, too, because it's supposedly, once you get to the end, you because everyone's like, oh, Jigsaw's been dead for ten years, this has got to be some kind of copycat and you see this game, and he's there. Well, then you find out, like, the game we've been watching actually happened way before yep. the previous movies, and the bodies that they're finding now is a repeat of that game. So the, the game we're seeing actually happened a long time ago. But when you watch that, there's shit like flat-screen TVs and, and technology they didn't have in 2004. So I'm like... uh yeah, you kind of did a bad job on that. <laughs> that was a little bit of a <laughs> plot hole. Yeah, and this one was kind of, you know, weird too, just, you know, with the, you know, Jigsaw fangirl and, you know, that sort of thing. Like Those redheads will get which, in trouble, man. <laughs> I, I will say it's kind of icon, you know, like, we're nerds. We follow Dragon Connor. So, like, literally I saw a girl that posted a picture where she had made you know, her own version of the, you know, <laughs> head trap from the Saw franchise. I'm like, oh, that'd be that's fitting. Interesting. Yeah, like, you got the weird fangirl who's been collecting... But, like... I mean, then again, like, you know, the year before last when we were there, like, there was the professional cosplayer, and she was cosplaying as Billy. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, on the tricycle and everything. And, dude, like, that was legit badass. <laughs> I gotta say... Billy looked coolest in, in Jigsaw, though. He, I mean, he got like t had the glowing eyes and <laughs> he got a bit of a makeover. Yeah, but you know, I was saying, you know, as 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 weird as Jigsaw was, the cinematog cinematography and like the look of Billy, you know, looked pretty good. Which thing? It was like seven years between movies, so technology. I, don't know. I also and... too love a lot of the Easter eggs. 
You know, like there's a lot of times where, it, you know, the camera will zoom on names on a computer screen or a television screen or there'll be random writing, you know, in the background that the camera's focused on. And all of those a lot of times are, you know, it'll either be, you know, cast names or it'll be, you know, somebody that, you know, had wrote or, you know, worked on the music or whatever, you know, like ways are set designers that ways are giving their own little, you know, shout outs to themselves and be like, I had a hand in this. Like, oh, it's like the, uh, I liked in Saw 6 where the, 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 the crazy like Nazi trap where he had like the skinheads in like the El Camino and he's like glued to the seat and like all his gang buddies are tied up. So if he doesn't get out, it kills everybody. And then it turns out it's just so, cause, uh, Hoffman at this point is busted and he's trying to get vengeance on John's wife who basically revealed his identity. So the whole elaborate plot was just so he could switch out the body bags and sneak into the police headquarters so he could get to her in protection. And they end, she ends up going and hiding in the evidence room and you see like all the traps from the previous movies are like in like the police evidence locker. I'm like, Oh shit, that's the thing from here. And that and it was, and he ends up killing her with like the OG original like head trap. But yeah, it was like that was kind of a cool little little. Where you're like, oh shit, here's like basically the Saw Museum in this <laughs> police evidence room. <laughs> but in you know Hoffman's uh, you know killing of his wife set another change of events in motion, <laughs> and that's when you find out that oh, that wasn't the true apprentice, and he has failed his test. <laughs> yep, old uh, uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts comes back and. <laughs> gets his vengeance. Yeah. Carrie uh Elwes, man, he has been in so much so many movies. He's just like, you know, an iconic dude and like you know, I mean, fuck when in that first movie when he's like finally like thinks his his wife's dead and cuts his own his own foot off. And that reveal too, that's like first movie you never see who John is, you know, you never get the jigsaw reveal until like at the very end, once like homeboy cuts his uh, leg off and he's like, I'll, I'll go get help and starts like crawling out of the room. The dead guy that's been laying on this floor the whole time, like stands up and it's like, yeah, no, I'm the actual jigsaw. Everyone else you thought was jigsaw has just been people I've been puppeting. <laughs> so can I let you in on a little secret? What's that? You know why we kind of chose this for 4th of July? Why? Because... Fourth of July, that's when Spiral takes place. Oh yeah. That's right. It starts off at like the parade. Yep. So I I did not I, I watched some some clips on the YouTubes, but I never got around to watching this because it's still very new and I didn't have the twenty dollars to in <laughs> the time to rent it. <laughs> so what do you think? Is this a a new beginning? You know, how how does this compare? Other because I mean, from what little I saw, it doesn't really connect to the previous movies other than the killer is a jigsaw copycat. Yeah, this is kind of, you know, a a one-off. There really isn't a... But it kind of ends with an open ending where they... I don't know if they plan on making more, but they could well, there's proceed already forward with a new, a, a new jigsaw. So Saul 10 is already in development. It's ah. been in development for a while. We don't have a release date or anything for it, but it's it's certainly... Um, in the works. Um, but yeah, this, this to me didn't really, 
you know, it's all a new set of cast. Um, I don't really see where, if anything, I would have to say that this would probably take place between, you know, somewhere between movies one and three, maybe. Well, but they, I mean, it, cause... it it appears to be fairly modern from what little I saw. So I'm like, I think this is like a true like, whatever copycat. Uh, uh, you know, so it may, it may take place. You know, now after John's passing, and because it, and from the story, because I, like, I read this, like the guy who's doing the killing kind of has a purpose. He's like basically trying to punish dirty cops. Exactly. So and by completing his task, is he done, or is he now like? Hmm, this jigsaw guy had a good plan. I think I'm going to keep doing this and find other people to He's like I'm the punisher of <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> jigsaw. I mean, it definitely ends with a a cliffhanger. I mean, so this one kind of is different because it at certain times it kind of feels like a buddy cop film, you know, cuz basically you've got the chief of police and you know his son who is the main character in this and, Samuel L Jackson yep. and Chris Rock and he uh you know Samuel L definitely drops a lot of motherfuckers in this film <laughs> um which was nice definitely looks like Samuel L is aging though um <laughs> but uh he has not found the Hollywood eternal youth fountain it appears but um it's kind of interesting seeing Chris Rock take on a bit more of a, a serious role. You know, I always, you know, find him funny in his comedic roles. And here it is, you know, he's playing a, you know, yeah, very agent, serious, you know, uh... <laughs> um, who basically, you know, has outed some dirty cops. So now the rest of the police force is like, oh, you snitch, blah, blah, blah. We don't, you know, go against our own and. But he was a dirty cop, you know. So basically, you know, at that time, his father, the chief, um, the new, you know, director, who at that point, I think, was basically their person that handled public affairs and, you know, all the media shit, you know. Yeah, and basically, he, like, I guess gives these cops, like, open reign to, like, hey, we got a crime problem. Y'all do whatever you do, and I'm going to protect y'all. So they're, like, literally killing people oh yeah well there's like without one, just you know, cause where you know it's like hey i identified this cop you know shooting somebody unarmed and i can positively identifying and you know the police you know standing in front of them's like okay um and you're willing to testify absolutely and the cop pulls his gun and shoots them you know that way you know the case that was their only witness you know and that's kind of what puts you don't know it at the beginning but you know, Chris Rock is assigned a partner, and turns a young out the, idealist, idyllic rookie. Yeah, and <laughs> turns out the rookie, you know, is uh, you know, our new Jigsaw. You know, and it, it's weird hearing Jigsaw with a female voice. Yeah, it's um, but yeah, you know, he's not. He is not a female, but the the digitized Billy. Yes. What does he call his puppet? That puppet looks fucked up. I, I prefer Billy. The new puppet is like, it's like literally a marionette, and it just like looks weird as shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what... I, I don't know if it has a name or not, but yeah, it's it's fucked up looking. I, I prefer Billy. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, um, they 
have to investigate the jigsaw murders. And I, I will say that the traps on this one were probably some of the most brutal in the series. Like, yeah. you know, the very first trap, like somebody is basically in a vice with their, you know, tongue, you know, extended <laughs> out. And it's like, you know, after all these years you've lied and, you know, have given false testimony under oath and everything else, you know, now the only way to save yourself is, you know, to rip your own tongue out. And, and know, he's like hanging on a like subway track. Correct. And of course, you know, the train's two minutes away and, you know, it takes them a minute and 90 seconds to be like, oh, I'm not getting out of this. And, you know, too late, you get a nice final destination <laughs> uh, subway train splat. Um, I mean, he does eventually rip his, rip his tongue out, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the um, other guy who, like, like murdered a unarmed dude, he's, like, in a, like, vat filling up with water. And it's like, you got to let this machine rip your fingers off so you can't oh, yeah, dude. shoot it's anybody. Like got fucking wires. Yeah. And, you know. And if you like, don't, like, this is going to fill up with water and, and basically give you the electric chair. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a little copper strand hanging down. So once the water reaches the copper, I guess it electrifies and... That one was uh, pretty brutal. Like, I couldn't imagine, like, okay, let me bite down and, you know, have each of my fingers ripped off. Like, you know, like, you know. Because that's not an instant, like... Oh, no, that was like it was like a slow pull. Yeah. You it know, wasn't so like just a chop. Your, your, your skin's tearing and everything else. Like, you know, some of the other, you know, tests would be like, I need your blood. Doesn't matter how much blood, and it'd be like, okay, I can give myself a little scratch, and you know, there I passed that test. But uh, yeah, this was not like that at all. Oh. All right, well, we're kind of as we're running down, as the clock is ticking on this uh, trap we're in. Do you have a favorite trap, and or like a trap that you're just like, ooh, that one, that that one may give me nightmares. That that's when I it was hard to look at. <laughs> I think for me the pendulum trap because that was not rigged to go fast <laughs> and I couldn't imagine you know having to have my hands and everything else crushed like and then slowly just be you know disemboweled at the midsection like you know I you know I mean of course your other traps where you gotta fucking take a hacksaw to your own leg would be absolutely you know brutal as well but the uh, the pendulum like that's just one that really stands out like uh, I think the the one that that for me that was hard to watch was from saw two where they're in this trap house and they've all been poisoned and they're all trying to find the antidote. And at one point they move a bed and there's this pit full of like dirty, rusty syringes and Amanda just gets thrown into the vat of syringes to find. And I'm like, cause I don't like, I'm not a germaphobe, but there's certain things I'm like, I don't want to touch that. And I don't really like needles all that much. So her just like crawling through a vat of needles that you don't know what's in there. It was like, that just make my fucking skin crawl watching that one. <laughs> yeah, no, that one is, uh. I mean, that's probably one of the more iconic traps yeah, out I mean, of the series. Like, I'm good with blood and guts, but that whole, like, crawling through the used needle pile was just like, oh, no, I don't, mm, nope, nope, dog, this is going to be a nope for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I am opting out of that shit. But, I mean, you know, I I don't know. You know, the, the pound of flesh, 
I absolutely thought was not a fair trap at all, you know, because the dude that, you know, she was up against, dude, that would be like you and a 90-pound person. <laughs> like, you got a lot more to offer, you know, and she's just like, fuck it, I, I gotta give an arm or something, because I don't have a pound of body fat or anything on me. Like, so, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that one is... So, uh, what are you thinking of this here, uh, Alec and Bradley cigar? Um, it's not bad. Definitely a lot lighter than I want. I, I, I know you said medium. To me, this is almost a light to maybe the initial warmth of the first third, you know, or something of it just being lit, pushed it to medium, but I... I don't get a lot of. Uh, I could. I feel I could have another one, which, like I said, this may be medium to some people, but not definitely not our <laughs> our palates. Uh, but it's it. I will say it's flavorful. It's, I it's mean, got a good flavor to it. I'm not knocking it for the flavor. Um, you know this. I'm not bored with it, but yeah, I'm definitely not overpowered by it. <laughs> this is definitely a cigar that you want to retro hell, um, just to get all of the nuances and, you know, flavor out of it. Um, a very consistent, just like I've come to known with Alec Bradley stuff, I, I definitely think that, you know, his influence on his sons is, you know, true. You know, that's the thing about Alec Bradley is what you get out of the first third is typically what you're getting out of the last third. Um, you know, they don't really vary a whole lot. Um, but, you know, if you're a fan of Honduran, you know, uh, tobaccos, um, I, I, I do like the Habano wrapper. Um, just that little bit of pepper there on the Retro Hell is good. Uh, it's it's one of the better Alec Bradley cigars that I've smoked. Um, I, I, I definitely would not be offended if somebody handed me one of these and was like, hey, here you go, I'm going to enjoy it. This, for me, is a great cigar that I could wake up to. Yeah, and there I said this being kind of a new label in their uh, their run, a little bit more nuanced than some of the uh, like the the actual Alec Bradley cigars we've had. So maybe this is kind of a turning point for the company. Maybe this like Alec and Bradley labels kind of going to be the more experimental uh, <laughs> branch of the company. So I'm interested to try something. They've like I said they've got this. Uh, I believe it's the Gatekeeper and. Uh, the uh, Blind Faith is the three cigars they've released. This is the first one we've smoked, but I'm interested to try the the other two. I, I've I've heard the Gatekeeper's good, but I haven't got my hands on on one of those yet. I'll have to try it next time it's in stock. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know how often they they come about or anything else. I know the shops had them, but I think it's been a while. And with that, we'll wrap this up. I believe we've have escaped our trap and can move on to another segment. I watch it tap for blood in my veins. My heart you feed on to keep you sustained. A parasite that leaves me cold and drained. I'm a shock and you leave me paralyzed. And the saddest part I realize. Absence of truth behind. 
science. And it's time for some science. And not the crazy murderous science. Uh, that's more engineering than we were just talking about. No saw traps here, just regular weird science. I don't know, dude. We are in the midst of a heat wave. <laughs> it's hot in here. I can't take my clothes off. <laughs> After I leave. In the meantime, I'm going to ask that you keep your clothes on. <laughs> uh, come on. Shirtless Mike always smokes a... Uh... With no shirts on. Yeah, but you're not shirtless smoking Joe, so... <laughs> well, we've played a lot of Call of Duty tactical games and read a lot of tactical books. One of the things that always makes you the cool operator is having a sweet set of nods to see your enemy in the dark. But the downside of that is they're really fucking expensive. <laughs> Unless the government gives them to you. <laughs> Yeah. But even then, like, I'm pretty sure that comes with a lot of contracts, some, um, you know, NDAs, and, you know, um, uh, always that little factor of having to risk your life for said equipment. I just want to be able to sneak up on my cat in the dark. <laughs> and even then, it's still going to find, like, uh, I mean, cats have, like, nine lives and 36 different senses. Well, uh, there may be a solution to our expensive night vision problem. Because right now, cheap night vision ain't good, and good night vision ain't cheap. Well, uh, researchers uh, from a team in Australia and European scientists, as detailed in the journal Advanced Photonics, basically they've invented a really thin film that can go onto regular glasses that basically allow you to see in the dark, like having night vision goggles, but just on regular glasses. So it's like a window tent, but it allows you to have night vision. Yes, this transparent film converts infrared light, normally invisible to the human eye, into visible light. I wonder what would happen if you put that over, like, car windshields or something. <laughs> oh, you would just drive at night without your headlights on? Just make make your windshields without it? Yeah, but I mean, like, the light from vehicles, like, coming on to you and stuff like that, like, wouldn't that lead to a blinding, like, washout effect, potentially? <laughs> or is that more with, like, a thermal vision? Uh, I don't know, because I know, like, regular night vision, if you get, like, a bright light, it will, like, blind you. So, yeah, it may, be, uh, <laughs> it may not be a good uh, idea for uh, windshields, but Dr. Rocco Camacho Morales of the Australian National University said in a statement, We have made the invisible visible. We've made a very thin film consisting of nanometer-scale crystals hundreds of times thinner than a human hair that can be directly applied to glasses and act as a filter, allowing you to see in the darkness of the night. I feel like there's an as-seen-on-TV special or something, but... <laughs> yeah, start you know, like, an infomercial. Yeah. You know, Billy Mays here with, uh... Would you like to be a predator? Not a child <laughs> predator, but a predator predator. <laughs> Yeah, basically, like, your regular night vision goggles uses optoelectronic image enhancement, which picks up tiny amounts of infrared light reflected off objects that we can't see, converting that light into electrons, which amplifies the light and display it digitally, giving you the green screen uh, shade you see from video games and movies. Uh, this new system uses a semiconductor gallium arsenide, which is arranged into an ultra-thin crystalline structure that manipulates light, allowing visible light to pass through it. The film converts the incoming photons of light from infrared light into higher energy photons that we can actually see. 
but they said this would be a much lighter than the traditional heavy uh, nod approach and also potentially much cheaper than your, your standard sweet operator glasses. So we got that to look forward to. And then you can wear your sweet night vision and watch the disco confetti party that the uh, DARPA has invented to take out drones. Ooh, a segue. <laughs> yes, um, kind of, and we're not talking about your big like predator jet drones, but you're kind of like traditional small quadcaptors are becoming kind of more and more dangerous in the war environments. Uh, they've been used for, you know, wasn't from, there a shotgun round that shot a net too, that they were talking about being an anti-drone, you know? But yeah, the, the small drones, people are strapping guns to them for, uh, like assassinations or even just loading them through full of explosives and crashing them into targets. The average quadcopter can hit a speed of a hundred or 70 miles per hour. That's 112 kilometers. Uh, and the racing drones go even faster. So even if you don't load them up for explosives, somebody has one of those things hit you at 70 miles per hour. It's going to do some damage. Uh, but like you said, like the shotgun net rounds, I've seen uh, laser kind of microwave guns and stuff, but all that's kind of dependent upon an operator being able to aim the thing and hit a high speed moving drone where this new project, uh, done by defense advanced research projects agency, AKA DARPA basically, uh, is killing drones with a drone of their own, uh, launching basically, if you remember the old, uh, party poppers that you pull a string and it shoots out streamers, it's basically that. So they have a, a helicopter loaded with, uh, not like an, like a RC helicopter type thing loaded with, uh, like AI technology where it can autonomously detect incoming drone threats using X band radar and then automatically senses identifies unmanned aerial system threats. And then a guided rotary and fixed wing interceptors will fly in front of these drones and launch out basically a huge bust of these streamers that will then so this is wrap truly into like the... having a shotgun round because the confetti's <laughs> just gonna scatter yeah it just kind of scatters these confetti streamers that then wrap into the blades of your drone quadcopters and brings them down like i could see this like taking like drone racing to a whole new level like not only are you racing, but you've have you know <laughs> you like obstacles. somebody like you know trying Hunting to fuck you up the a, race, yes, <laughs> with a race with a disco. And it's funny too because like the demo video, they didn't even like make the streamers like tactical and paint them black or something. No, they literally launched like the multicolored stuff like you see out of a party cannon. <laughs> I mean, I guess at that point, if like, you're gonna it, fight terrorism, you might as well make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, make it a party. <laughs> These little speakers on it too, so it starts playing like disco music as it, as it launches uh, countermeasures. Holy shit! That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, you know, if you want to declare thumb war, it's possible to have an extra thumb. Well, apparently, in a new study, uh, they have determined that our brains can adapt fairly quickly to added extra appendages. I just don't understand. Like, I don't know that I've ever had the need for an extra thumb. Like, I, I guess maybe it's one of those things, like, if you had it, 
and you were accustomed to using it all of your life, you'd be like, man, what would I do without this? But because I've never had it, it's like, what would I do with this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, I've, I've thought of applications where I'm like, I could use an extra hand, but just an extra thumb has never been like, you know, I, I need one more thumb to, to make this work. Except for maybe the old Nintendo 64 controllers that had that, like, three-handle weird thing. Yeah, but you never used those, like, simultaneously, though. It was either, like, either you had to use the D-pad or you used the little joystick and you could hold the middle of the controller. I'm, I'm not saying it was er ergonomic or anything, but, I mean... Like, I don't remember those controllers being like, oh, an extra thumb would help. Maybe, like, a whole extra hand and arm? Like, that way I can have, like... All three hands on the controller at the same time? Kind of that dude in The Mandalorian that had a little robot arm that would come out of his backpack and shoot things? Yes. <laughs> that would be uh, useful. Yes, a study by I neuroscientists... Mean, I study my rifle and use a spotting scope. At the University College London, uh, published in the journal Science Robots, basically they 3D printed this extra thumb that it would attach kind of on the pinky side of your hand and with a controller on the bottom of your big toe. So basically a small amount of pressure would cause the robot thumb to contract or, or open. But the kind of the side quest of all this is they, they, you know, while the people were using this, they studied the brain with uh, MRI scans and, and the brain adapted to having that extra appendage quite easily. And they could see where it was almost like reprogramming the controllers for individual fingers. And it's like, all right, we got an extra th thumb now. That's, you know, it, and so people were able to kind of master skills using this extra thumb quite easily. It is kind easily. of interesting that the brain, though, was like, hey, I have this thing. And so I wonder if at some point, like, we evolved and lost a thumb. So it's like already like old code in the in the system that's being reactivated. And they said, you know, it wasn't like a permanent change in the brain. People who who adapted quickly, you know, scans a week later after not using the thumb, everything had kind of gone back to the pre-thumb <laughs> brain functions. But it's kind of interesting if they're saying, you know, in the future, if we get some kind of high-tech body augmentation, like extra arms, extra whatever, that our brain should be able to adjust to controlling those things quite easily and would not have to take a whole lot of training to uh, run said device. Speaking of devices, uh, there's now an online calculator that will predict your risk of developing dementia. I did this earlier. <laughs> are are you going to be demented? Well, it, it says I'm not, but I also don't think my results were anywhere near accurate because I think this test is only good if you're over the age of 55. Yeah, basically it's uh, designed for people uh, over 55, uh, basically using, uh, you know, in a study published in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health. You know, pe you know it kind of takes uh, several with it because you know, normally it's like you know there's some kind of genetic testing that they can do but without any kind of actual genetic testing it's basically based on several risk factors including age diet uh previous mental illness and basically the the algorithm when they were trained it they tested 75,000 people uh via survey and within that sample there was around 8,500 cases of dementia and the algorithm was was able to detect basically twenty percent of that that group. So you know it, while it's not a uh, foolproof method, uh, you know if you're older than fifty five and you're 
kind of curious, is, is this something you may be concerned about in the future? You can uh, go online and use this free calculator to, to see if uh, there's some potentially something you may want to worry about and get ahead of early. I mean, but I felt like it was pretty generalized. Like, most of the questions are, have you smoked? If you've smoked, have you smoked in the last five years? If you smoked in the last five years, how often, you know, did you smoke? Uh, how <laughs> many times did you... It's all a cover for that fucking truth uh, yeah. thing. It's, it's, like, it's just it's a secret, like, anti-smoking ad. How many times did you eat fruit last week? Like... <laughs> Is pizza sauce considered a fruit? I mean, it's got tomatoes. Tomatoes are fruit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got for you this week. We'll be right back. So, Brittany, Martha, <laughs> tell me about your podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like we're in sync, but also kind of a disaster. We are always a disaster. So our podcast is fun if you want to hear two people talk about and complain about stuff that <laughs> they love complaints. and also hate. And drink. And drink. And the show is Thanks. called? Oh. <laughs> But, but first, first let's, let's talk, talk nerdy. nerdy. And you can find us on the ESO Network. Bye-bye. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> and now it's time for all things nerdy in Nerd News. And welcome to Nerd News. Yeah, news. So before we jump into all of the things Netflix. Uh. Whoa. <laughs> Is that that chili from earlier? Probably. All right. Well, um, you know, do you remember a little saying, Simpsons did it? Yeah. Well, the Simpsons are about to do it again. Those motherfuckers. Yeah, apparently there's a Marvel-themed Simpsons short uh, starring uh, Tom Huddleston that'll be uh, coming to Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> and, I saw that and I thought it was a joke. No. <laughs> It is a for real, uh, a for real thing. Um, it's going to be titled "The Good, the Bart, and the Loki." Alrighty then. Yeah. So uh, Tom Huddleston will uh, reprise his role as Loki. You know, because that's gained a lot of success. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks like uh, Loki will be banished from Asgard once again and must face his toughest opponents. Yet the Simpsons and Springfield's heroes. Um, the God of Mischief will apparently team up with Bart Simpson in the ultimate crossover, um, event, paying homage to none other than, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and looking at the characters, uh, very much, um, you know, Avengers Endgame. I, I don't know, you know, Ned Flanders is Star-Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, right. <laughs> no, never mind, he's Ant-Man. I think that's Ant-Man. I don't know. It's weird, because some of the artwork, like, deviates. Like, so it's, you know, obviously, uh, Barney is, uh, you know, um, Iron Man. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Stark was a bit of an alcoholic. Yep. It's fitting. I don't know. Although he seems to be burping, you know, um, electricity. <laughs> I don't know. So I don't know. This could be interesting. Lisa as Thor. You know, she's always. You know, we know that Thor is now a female. Yeah. You know. So it's keeping with the uh, <laughs> Marvel run. The only thing is, I don't see any Homer or Marge or uh, maybe Homer's Thanos. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? But yeah, I don't know. Kind of interesting. Don't. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, good times. We'll get to see Nick Fury, it looks like. I don't remember the character's name. <laughs> but, yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Uh, moving right along to uh, trailers. Uh, we got a... Uh, Double what? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know you can rent a U-Haul for uh, nineteen ninety nine and tow one of those. Ooh. Yeah, there's food for thought. Anyway, uh, September 3rd, we should be getting Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We did get a trailer for that, and the trailer looks pretty interesting. Um, yeah, it's like Kung Fu movie in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yes, which... Which I'm not familiar with this particular comic, but action looked pretty, <laughs> pretty badass. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely the action looked good. Um, they had a fucking dragon. So, apparently, um, when you go back to the comics, uh, Shang-Chi first appeared in Special Marvel Edition number 15 in December of 1973. There you go, a little, little history, you know. Um, I mean, if they bring the people from the uh, Marvel Netflix uh, series, we need to have him fighting uh, Iron Fist <laughs> at some point. Maybe, you know, but yeah, apparently... Who's the best Kung Fu master? Shang-Chi is a spy, a romantic, a philosopher, and an Avenger. Mm -hmm. One of the best martial artists in the universe, if you couldn't tell by the use of the said Ten Rings. Um, so, I don't know, man. I always dig a good kung fu movie. Marvel's got the, the budgets and everything else to <laughs> really do this up. So, if the trailer's any indication, like, I'm with you. I, I don't know a whole lot of background, but... Don't need it. It looks cool. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm... magic with a kick. <laughs> um, shifting gears a little bit. Uh, talk about Ron Perlman. He's about to be up to some nerdiness. Yeah, I, I, I guess he's traded in his uh, cut, and um, you know, has teamed up with the Transformers, and uh, <laughs> I guess he's going to be Optimus Primal in Transformer: Rise of the Beast. Yeah, they're bringing in, like, the Beast Wars Transformers. I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. It's like, I don't know if... Time-wise, I mean, are they doing, going back into, like... You know, the... Because Beast Wars took place in, like, you know... The fucking caveman days when there was dinosaurs. So I'm wondering if this is going to be set in modern times and they bring in the so, beasts into the modern This universe? is supposed to be set in 1994 and the plot will reveal why Cybertronian has a connection to Earth and humanity. Alrighty then. You know. Um, yeah, because I'm like, th those movies have gotten so, like, like I said, we had the Bumblebee one that was set in the 80s. I'm like, is this, like, being in the 90s, I mean, is this kind of a sequel to to the Bumblebee timeline, or is this uh, connecting to the Mark Wahlberg universe? <laughs> Who knows? Time will tell. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think we're going to get any Michael Bay-level ridiculousness, though. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we could. But, uh, yeah, we're going to get the Tarakons, um, the Predacons, Scourge, and... Uh, I guess that's who our main vil villain will be, and, you know, I guess Optimus uh, Prime will be our, you know, main good guy. Yeah, Optimus Prime was a big monkey in the Beast Wars cartoon. So. He was an ape. Why don't they got the, uh, I can't remember his name, but they had one that was a big rat. I had that toy back in the day. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I remember having some of the toys. I don't remember seeing much of the... The actual, like, television stuff behind them. I remember the... Vaguely remember, like... It started off with them as, like, you know, they were... Like, the basically the... What would become the Autobots were... Basically mammals. And then the Decepticons, or whatever they called them, were, like, dinosaurs and, and lizard stuff. But at one point, they found, like, the original Autobot arc. So basically, you know, like that original ship that brought Optimus Prime and all that to Earth apparently crashed during, like, you know, caveman days. And, like, so, like, they... So, apparently... And so I guess there was some kind of time travel shit. So these guys ended up crashing on Earth, but they crashed up, like, you know, billions of years ago. But they found the future Autobots and had to keep them from, you know, getting killed before they ever woke up in the future. It was it was complicated. <laughs> Yes, sounds like a complicated time in history. I guess another complicated thing is if you're the master of the universe. Ooh. I have the power! <laughs> yeah, so we did get, um, you know, uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 1 uh, Netflix trailer. Um, that was probably the downside, is there was no cool 80s, you know, music behind well, it. Well, the first, know? like, teaser trailer had, like, a pretty cool soundtrack to it but yeah this one showed more i guess of the actual dialogue of the thing but didn't have as as cool a soundtrack as that uh original teaser trailer did but then again it like seems like the uh tila or whatever the girl's name is kind of more the main character so i'm not even sure how much he-man we're gonna get <laughs> so, you know, so the first one very much looked like old school uh he-man but this one looks like you know he-man may not be the the main focus from this uh, new trailer, but it still showed like everybody from that original cartoon. Uh, so I was like, I was like, yeah, I had that action figure, I had that guy, I had that guy. <laughs> it's like it seems like yeah, everybody. I mean, was I there. will say like you know, Seaman, um, Orco, Cringer, you know, Man in Arms, like Skeletor, like a lot of the toys I remember having, you know, did show up in the trailer, but. You know, I, I'm not sure, like I said, how much of each character we're actually going to get, you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's a lot of the action we're going to be seeing being, like, flashbacks to, like, and not part of the current storyline. You know, time will tell, because I think it comes out the end of this month, so we don't have too much longer to, I to mean, wait for you that. Know, the magic's been split, like you said, you know, this basically, you know, follows an arc of Tila to, you know, solve, you know, the missing sort of power, you know, and a race against time to prevent the end of the universe. Yeah, because apparently, I, this is supposed to be, like, a direct sequel to the original cartoon. And apparently, magic has died out, and they're, I guess, they're trying to reboot magic. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm still looking forward to Mark Hamill's, you know, Skeletor, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller, you know, with Tila. Like, I mean... <laughs> You know the voices are at least going to be good. Yeah, I mean, freaking Mark Hamill is Skeletor. It's the only thing is, like, when Skeletor laughs, I just hear the Joker. <laughs> uh, I mean, could be worse, I suppose. Hey, man. Uh, more Netflix news. <laughs> Blood Red Sky. I'm sick of all these vampires on our motherfucking plane. <laughs> like, that's the only thing I could think. And after that, it was like the the rest of the trailer was out the window. 
Yeah, this that trailer took a turn that I was not expecting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of when you think vampires, you think, oh, I need blood to survive, but this is more so, I need blood to, you know, um, protect my son. Yeah, so basically, this lady's got some kind of. Well, they say like blood disease, and they're traveling to America to get some help from some doctor. Well, apparently, the disease she has is she's a fucking vampire, and she's having to take drugs to suppress her vampirism, and the plane they're on gets hijacked. And she has to embrace her inner vampire to uh, save everyone on the plane from getting hijacked. <laughs> I wonder if there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. <laughs> It's like, like I mean, I've saved you all, but now I'm going to eat you because I've I've gone too far into the dark side. I will say, <laughs> on the plus side, is she they did make a comment that she's trying to avoid sunlight, so at least she's not going to sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we at least got like some good vampire. And yeah, it looks like the more people she kills, like the more kind of Nosferatu looking she gets. Yeah, it's uh, looks like it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, folks will be able to check this out toward the end of July on the 23rd uh, on your Netflix app, television, streaming service. Um, another thing, I don't know shit about anime. I know oftentimes it's based on, you know, different mangas and or manga. How did, yeah, manga. I don't know. I don't know. It's like I know Cowboy I, Bebop. That's, that's, about, that's about it. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty limited, but I saw a title. You can't judge a trailer by its title, but I'm judging a trailer by its title because it's titled Chainsaw Man. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, it's Japanese Leatherface. But it's really not. It's literally a chainsaw face dude. Yeah, he's got chainsaw hands and a chainsaw that comes out of his head. <laughs> and from the, the trailer, I have no idea what's going on. It looks bizarre, but it looks kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, um... I... I Apparently, it's one of the biggest animes of 2021. Um, I guess it was a Shonen Jump, you know, series announced December. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to see if there's a release date or anything. I mean, it's already gotten over a million views, and it's been out, you know, for a week now. So, I mean... Apparently, a lot of people uh, are looking forward to this. So, it's going to have a 2021 release date. However, nothing official still been announced. Um, I I don't know. Maybe maybe a fall autumn. I mean, I could see this being a good for a Halloween, you know, October, you know, season. release. Yeah. Possibly. So, I don't know. But it, it definitely looks interesting. It's gory. It's very much Japanese anime. I mean, dude's got, you know, a chainsaw coming out of his head. Chainsaws, you know, on each of his arms. I mean, I found an article this weekend that shows you how you can make a uh, functioning chainsaw sword. Which I kind of feel like I need in my life. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good summer project. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, uh, any other news tidbits you want to share with the listeners at home? Uh, I think that's all we got. Uh, here's my, since today is 4th of July, go out and watch America the Motion Picture. I laughed my ass off. It's, I can only describe it as if drunk frat boys tried to explain the American Revolution, but got it confused with Star Wars. It's bizarre. 
All right, I'm definitely going to have to give that a watch. <laughs> and then. it's on Netflix. Uh, and with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at CigarNerdPod. Get your energy at Real, or StrikeForceEnergy.com, promo code CigarNerds for 20% off your order. Get your shirts at RealMensSmokeCigars.com. And with that, game over. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We're your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.